Miss Yarra the Bursi. Greetings, heathens. Welcome to Hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism, culture, and life in general through the eyes of modern Satanists. My name is Joseph Rose. I'm a member of an amazing independent congregation called Satanic Delco, and we welcome members from anywhere in the world. If you want to learn a little more about us, visit satanicdelco.com. Today, we're going to listen to part of our recent roundtable discussion on tenet number six and number seven from the Satanic Temple. First, let's hail some of the lovely Satanists that have joined up with us on Patreon recently. We've got Callie, Devo, John, Hirohito's Hero, Haley, Michael, Amari, Devin, Manu, Ashley, and Tanya. Thank you guys very, very much. You know, I love and appreciate your support, and you allow this whole thing to keep going. So thank you very much. How about a little bit of listener mail? I have a couple I pulled out here. We've got one from Tony. He writes, I'm a longtime listener. The idea of outsider Satanism is brilliant. What I dislike about TST and Church of Satan is how organized they've become. They're more like businesses than places for us weirdos to feel at home. To me, the main two aspects of my personal Satanism are to live your life how you want as long as it brings no harm to others, and to live a life of compassion and kindness because it makes you happy, not because a fairy tale book says so. We are intelligent, free-thinking creatures, so why do most of us depend on a book to tell us right from wrong? I could ramble on about Christians, but I'm trying not to give them any more of my energy. It's not worth it. Well, Tony, you're right. It is probably not worth it, and it's certainly not limited to Christians. TST people are always posting online about violating a tenet. Violate is actually the word they use, and it creeps me out every time I see it. You said this, and it's a clear violation of tenets number three and number six. Is it? Is it a violation of a completely subjective, vague idea? Is Lucian Greaves going to pull up on a little goth scooter and write me a ticket for my violation? They aren't rules that can be broken. Some people are actually looking for a master, even when they aren't obligated to have one. It's just a follower mentality that some people are going to have no matter what. And then you have the Church of Satan people who cling to the word of Anton LaVey, just like those who cling to the word of Jesus or the Holy Bible. But at least the Christians are less annoying about the existence of separate denominations of Christianity. Church of Satan people nearly bust a vein at the mention of some other form of Satanism. So yeah, you probably have the right idea. Do you, and do it the best you can. Thank you, Tony. Our next one is from Michelle. She says, Hi, Joseph. I wanted to take your open invitation from the Birth of Outsider Satanism episode to encourage you to keep going in this endeavor. 
your critical thinking of the way TST presents themselves as an organization falls right in step with what was already on my mind. As much as I enjoy the seven tenets and have used them as reminders in my daily life since finding TST, I hesitate to be associated with them. Call me suspicious, but something rubs me the wrong way about the face they show and some of the inner workings I've heard about. The Satanic Circle Jerk episode was a much-needed wake-up call for many to be open-minded and empathetic, to walk a mile in someone else's shoes before letting loose thoughtless comments as well as the right to offend and respecting the rights of others to do the same. I actually listened to the Satanic Circle Jerk episode first and had to go back and listen to the redemption of Shane Bugby to see what all the hysteria was about. I don't listen to podcasts, but when Hail Satan was suggested to me on Spotify, I had to know what it was all about. I'm glad I started listening, and I will continue to do just that. Thank you for all your hard work. Well, thank you very much, Michelle. You pretty much said it all, I guess, and I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. If you all have a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You will find links to join me on social media, a form to send me an email, which I encourage you to do, and a link to join up with us all on Patreon. We have a few different tiers to choose from with various benefits, including the amazing Greetings from Hell, Satanic Postcard of the Month Club, That is the most direct way you can support me and this show if you'd like to do that. So visit HailSatanPodcast.com. All right. Now, let's jump right into our discussion about tenets number six and number seven. We'll start with tenet number six, and that tenet says people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. Go ahead, Willow. You want to go? Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, my point was this is just like right your wrongs, play stupid games, win stupid prizes <laughs> is what my brother would say. So to me, this is like not just covering your own ass by protecting yourself, by apologizing, but also just doing the right thing as a conscious being. If you wrong somebody, that should weigh on your conscious. And it's just like, the golden rule of do unto others as you'd have done unto yourself. You know, if you screw up, it's the only person who can fix the screw up is you. Yeah. It's a pretty, this feels like a simple one to me. I've said that before and we get new perspectives that we don't see coming, but this one feels simple, right? If you, if you fuck up, do your best to fix it. And I said, I didn't have much and I guess I don't, but I guess I'll just say the one thing about this one, um, a piece of this puzzle that I think is maybe missing is forgiveness. Um, Nowhere in the tenets, this one or any of them, is forgiveness talked about in any way. And so we do all this talking about people are fallible and you should make an effort to fix it. And I guess just the other side of that interaction is forgiveness. And I would love if there were some direct mention of that, but that's about it. You go ahead, Kirsten. You've got the next hand up. Yeah, so sort of on that, I guess this is sort of related to the forgiveness aspect, but there's four things that I consider when I think about this tenet. And I think maybe when you first read it, your thought is people are fallible and that, and and if we make mistakes, we should rectify it. And I would then think, okay, I make mistakes. That's okay. I'm human. I just need to do my best to rectify it. But then there's, like you said about forgiveness, the other side of it is that other people also make mistakes. 
And, you know, we can hope that they might rectify it in some way. But as, if they're not a Satanist, they don't have to, you know, abide by these tenets or anything. Sure. But it doesn't say you are fallible as a Satanist. It says people are fallible. Right. Um, uh, the four considerations for me are we make mistakes, other people make mistakes. We should right our wrongs, and we should consider what actions other people have made to right their wrongs. Uh, but then even beyond that, uh, there's a whole conversation that I could have about who gets to decide what's wrong, um, who gets to decide what appropriate, you know, what's an appropriate way to rectify the situation. Uh, what is, uh, you know, accountability? People always say things about yeah. accountability. Well, what does that mean? Who gets to define accountability um, for, for what situations? Uh, people are fallible. Okay, well, which, what, what uh, you know, quote unquote crimes are we willing to forgive <laughs> and what what's unforgivable? Yeah, sure. Everybody's um, going to have that threshold, right? Like this is forgivable or this isn't. Yeah, but I've, I've just been considering it a lot in my uh, life recently, just due to some internet rabbit holes that I've gone down oh, yeah. um, um, about uh, uh, celebrity gossip. Oh, <laughs> Actually, what I won't, that's why I won't get into yeah, it. Yeah. Um, let's, but, let's not, <laughs> but <laughs> that's sort of where I've been. My head's been at the past week or two Yeah, really deep in that rabbit hole considering this tenant. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll let other people go on from there and, and maybe if we circle back around. Right on. Thank you, Kirsten. Sophia, you're up. I was actually thinking about this tenant today a lot because um, this was another thing that drew me into Satanism because even though Christianity believes in turn the cheek and, you know, you should forgive for quite some time, I, did, I believe that there was a time and place to forgive people. And I remember seeing Betty post one day about, about how we need to forgive for our own health, not for saying sorry to those people. It's for yourself, truly. And I'm sorry if I get a little emotional about this. Um, right. It's really hard for me because um, with my family, um, forgiveness is very hard. And the reason why is because when we are fallible and we make a mistake, we're supposed to rectify it. Well, in my family, they never really rectified any of the issues that were going on. Um, for me, I saw it as like, if it keeps persistently happening, like they they say, I'm sorry, and they try to fix it, but then go back and do it again. That's when you need to cut them out of your life completely because they're just going to continue that cycle. The best person that I've seen has done this is my grandmother. My grandmother for like three years did not believe me that my father was raping me. Um, I remember when I told her when I was only like, I think I was only nine or 10. And I told her and she looked me dead in the eyes and said, you're just saying this to get your father in trouble. And I'm not going to believe you. And I think you need to obey your father. And she didn't believe it until, you know, the cops got involved, children's services got involved. And there was a whole case about it. And then she really outcasted me and didn't want to be around me because I was only 13 and she would constantly say you put my son in prison you threw my son in prison when he didn't need to go there and even though every time she would she'd cry and say oh I'm sorry Sophie my heart my chest I'm in pain please forgive me it was a constant thing of like I'm going to constantly use this against you because that's just how I am and I'll say I'm sorry but I truly don't mean it because I do it again yeah. Um, and that was the hard thing was because my 
grandmother would do that to me a lot. And it really hurt me because I'm like, why can't I have just a good relationship with my grandmother? You know, why can't I do the things that you're supposed to do with your grandmother and not have to worry about when she's going to yell at you next because she's mad at you for something that you needed to do to protect yourself. Yeah, that, um, it is amazing in a, a situation like that how a person can just be so, I imagine, intentionally blind to the reality. Uh, maybe it's not intentional. I don't know. But, man, it just sounds so – it's so weird from the outside. And now I, I imagine I, – I don't even want to imagine, but I try to imagine, you know, I have a son, and let's say he does something wrong, whatever it might be. He does a thing that's pretty bad. You know, obviously, I feel an incredible bond and connection to him where I feel the need to defend him. I want to protect him at all costs if I can. But if he does some terrible thing out there in the world, you know, at what point does that overcome my feelings for him or my parental reflex to defend him or protect him or whatever? I don't know. It's complicated, but from where I'm sitting, when I hear you tell that story— it doesn't sound complicated to me. It sounds like that lady should understand, you know, she should see the obvious situation before her and react appropriately. But is that good for you right now, Sophia? Yeah, I'll let uh, somebody else go ahead. All right. Thank you. Betty, you're up. I hate mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. I'm putting that out there. I made one the other day and I beat myself up pretty much the entire day for it. I lost my shit on my kid. Mm. It happens. I'm a parent. I'm not perfect. I fucked up. He ate my dough. Well, see, the problem was he ate my, my cinnamon roll. Yeah. Which sounds really stupid. Yo, listen, Betty, I can, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but my kid is now 15. He recently turned 15. I will occasionally randomly, I don't, I don't think anything in particular really sparks it. I just, a memory will come to me and I get legitimately bummed out and upset about a time, a random time where I like yelled at my kid 10 years ago, years, like years, 10 years ago, at least maybe more. And I just, for whatever reason, I remember it and I feel really probably unreasonably bad and upset about it. So I know what you mean. My my kid (laughs) ate my cinnamon roll. (laughs) Yes. And I lost my shit. It was just, it was terrible. And I apologized after. And I said, like, I apologize. I said, like, I'm really sorry. And I explained, I said, I was really looking forward to having that for dessert. And I came home and it was gone. And I was just so disappointed because it was something I was looking forward to. And I'd spent $15 on cinnamon rolls for my family to have as a nice dessert. And then brought them home, dropped them off. And when I did the groceries, came back, the cinnamon rolls were all gone. So I lost my cookies. Yeah. We're human. We fucked up. And so you you did that. And then you've probably, what, a little time passed and you feel bad that you yelled at him for this reason. And then what, do you go yeah, have like, a conversation I mean, with as him? Soon as, I, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Mommy needs to take five Mommy went and took five. Mommy came back. Mommy apologized and said, sorry. You know, mommy was really looking forward to having this croissant and then when I, or this cinnamon roll. And then when I came home and it wasn't there, I was just really disappointed. 
and I didn't deal with it very well. And I apologized. Yeah. And he's good because he has freakouts all the time. So it's <laughs> fair. Sure. Uh, you know, it goes for any parent, I guess, you know, you're always in one way or another, you're sort of modeling behavior for your children and trying. Yeah. yeah we, we do our best. That's all we can do. Right. We're fallible as it says. And so of course mm-hmm. we're bound to have those moments and mistakes and everything, but it's probably valuable, not only for the immediate obvious reasons that you want to apologize for your behavior to your child or to anyone, but that's also sort of modeling behavior, right? Like it's just a version of even explaining what this tenet is about. People are fallible. I made a mistake and I'm sorry for it. And, and you know, here we go. We can move on. Um, you know, and, and hope and some- hope that the forgiveness part of it is part of it, but we can only control our yeah. half of it, you know? Yeah. Um, is that good for you right now, Betty? Oh yeah, it's good for me. All right. Next up, Ben, go ahead. Sometimes physical factors can influence into making bad, bad decisions, making bad behaviors, um, like, you know, trauma, um, you know, rape, you know, some people are not as lucky than others, unfortunately, and mental health can play a part, you know, as I said, you know, molestation and, you know, abuse and, you know, childhood neglect. Um, and that all can affect a human soul. And, you know, it's, it, you know, things like that, it, you know, I, I really was thinking about that today and I was getting really emotional because as I said, doing shadow work in my own way, it's, you know, it's a very dark subject and, you know, I, you know, it's a very serious thing and, you know, forgiving yourself, forgiving your past and the things you've done, no matter what it is, you can make a difference in yourself. You can heal. I mean, you know, some people are not as lucky. People go to prison, people get killed, you know, people on the street, people do drugs, you know, people do things. It's their choice, whether they want to follow that or not. Yeah. Um, you just sort of reminded me of a piece of it that I, mm-hmm. I guess I don't even think about or talk about as often in relation to this one, which is the idea yeah. of being able to forgive yourself. Yeah. You know, I, it took I, like 10 years for me and yeah. I'm grateful to be at peace and I have a future and yep. Yeah. That's an important mm-hmm. part of it. I usually am always thinking of, you know, of course, forgiving someone else or, mm-hmm. or being forgiven when you need to be. Yeah. Um, but that's a big part mm-hmm. of it. Sometimes you do a thing. Yeah. Look, we were just talking about feeling, I'm feeling, I feel terrible for yelling at mm-hmm. my kid 12 years ago. <laughs> And, and I'm sure he yeah. has no memory of it. It, it probably, mm-hmm. I don't know that yeah. he cared about it after that day. Um, but for mm-hmm. whatever reason, I still feel but, bad about it. And I, you know, I've forgiven myself, but yeah. sometimes, you know, you do hold on but, to mistakes that you've made. But yeah, remaining grateful is very important. And, you know, forgiving yourself for the things you've done. And, you know, it's all a path. We're all going the same way. You know, it's, we're all going to death. I can't wait for that. Um, well, you know, I'm enjoying life for now, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't be too anxious to you get know, there. <laughs> I'll be good. Oh, I know where, where I am. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, that's intense. But yeah. That's that six tenant. It's been, you know, with the things I've done, what I've learned from that tenant, it really stuck to me was, you know, just forgive yourself and move on. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Sure. You might've done something shitty. Yeah. Um, but you know, just try to, forgive yourself and maybe hopefully something better will come unless you're in jail or prison. But 
Yeah. We should be grateful. So, yep. All right. I'm Thank good. you, Ben. You're welcome. Kirsten, you're up. Uh, let's say I invite you to my birthday party. You and I are friends and I invite you to my birthday party and you forget about it. And it was very important to me, but it, it wasn't that important to you. Or And it might be that that particular party was important to me and not important to you, but it also might just be that I thought we were better friends than, than you thought we were. Um, and that's, I think, a real thing that happens in life. You know, sure. sometimes we're somebody's best friend and they're not our best friend. Yeah, just mismatched uh, expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you forget about my birthday party. Do you owe me anything? Was that like, do, do you have to rectify that now? Um, and I could, I could say, yeah, if you don't rectify that, then I don't want to be your friend anymore. And you could say, I don't really care because I don't think that we were that close to begin with. Right. Well, if one of the people doesn't care, then that's the answer. Yeah. You know, that's the answer. Yeah. But if the person does care, even in just your average amount of kind of caring about a person, it fits into this category of things where you can hurt someone's feelings. You can hurt someone without doing something wrong. You could break up with your boyfriend. You break up with your boyfriend. Are you wrong for doing that? No. If you don't want to be in the relationship, you break up. Now that other person is going to be upset. You've just hurt their feelings. Maybe you've broke their heart, but you haven't done anything wrong. And you can still... You don't necessarily need to do something wrong to feel remorse for hurting someone accidentally. You know, if I ran you over with my car by accident, I would feel bad about it. You know, you don't need to be malicious or intending to do wrong to feel remorse or want to make it right. And that is fallibility. That's making a mistake. Yeah, and and that's a yeah a good example of breaking up, breaking up. But then even within relationships, before you've broken up, sometimes you know what what partners need in relationships are different things from each other, yeah. um, and and sometimes that your mismatched uh, needs or expectations um, can cause problems in a relationship. But that doesn't necessarily mean that anyone did anything wrong. It just means you weren't meant to be in that relationship. I mean, and then and then to go back to the birthday party analogy. Let's say you do want to make it right. Let's say you feel bad and you would and you do want to be friends. Maybe you didn't it wasn't so important to you to come to my party, but you didn't realize how important it was to me. Now, you just say, "Hey Kirsten, I'm sorry I missed your party. I didn't I, I really just forgot about it or something like that." But yeah. is that is that enough? What if that's not enough for me? What if my idea of rectifying the yeah, situation right. is that you throw me another party, you know? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, it's all completely subjective from top to bottom. Right. Everybody's going to find their own threshold of tolerance right. for everything, you know? And and then I I might go on and, and say, wow, you know, Joseph's a, a horrible person. He didn't come to my birthday party, <laughs> but that's not at all the other side of the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it comes up even within like in, in TST and satanic communities all the time it's is who are we willing to forgive um is it is it because of are we more willing to forgive a person or are we more willing to forgive them based on the thing that they did that's that's wrong or or yeah you know all the time nowadays we're faced with um whatever you want to call it cancel culture or whatever the idea that somebody makes a mistake and now our options are burn them down permanently or do they have a path to redemption? Right. And is there a way? Do, do we forgive them? Is it okay? Can they live a life? Or is it just over? Yeah, right. That's it. And I was, I was, didn't want to say that word, cancel culture, because I, I think that, 
people will people will say do that get that upset. People get upset, and they <laughs> it's kind of a conservative buzzword or or whatever. But right. I I don't think that it should be. I think that that should be something that is talked about from from all perspectives. Yeah, and I don't think that it should at all be related to politics. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of I don't know. I call it like a purity culture. Yeah, you know, everybody uh, is sort of shooting someone else down from this perspective of their own purity. Like I would never do that. And you did it. And therefore you have to go. You're, you're out of here, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of bullshit. I think. Thank you, Kirsten. Caitlin, you're up. I actually have an answer for Betty's question. What she was saying earlier about what do you do? You know, if someone doesn't forgive you, which have a bit of experience with just my personality type being that people forgiving me is very important to me. Sure. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, being in the right with everybody. But sometimes, you know, my rule of thumb has always been that I personally don't get to decide how much I've hurt someone else. I don't get to decide how they need to heal from me. I don't get to decide what their reaction needs to be. That's on them because if they hurt me, I want them to respect that. I may have a different way of healing than they think I need or how hurt I should be. That's on me, you know? So if someone is supremely hurt by what I've done, and just is not ready to trust me again and have me back in my in their life, no matter if I think it's pretty silly, like it wasn't that bad. I didn't mean anything bad by it. You know, it's just if it's important to them, it's important to them and their mental health and their well-being. So as long as I take a really hard look at what I've done and say, you know what, how did what I do hurt them? You know, how is this something that I can teach myself about how I interact with other people so that, you know, I don't make this mistake again. I don't lose someone else's trust. I don't, you know, and so as long as I've forgiven myself and I've, you know, worked to correct my mistakes, then the rest is up to them. And if they don't want me in their life anymore, if they are not ready to trust or forgive, then, you know, if that's best for their healing, then that's what I need to be helping them do. And, you know, if helping them is taking myself out of the picture, Right. Then when it comes to making amends or or one party offering forgiveness, sometimes that's just a matter of time. Yeah. Sometimes that has to come with time. And mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's just part of it. That's the human condition, you know. Um sometimes you're hurt and that hurt stings for a while. Yeah. You know, it would be great everybody everybody who makes the mistake, we probably always wish that we could just be forgiven right now. Because, yeah, yeah. because, you know, not, and, and not in any, you know, insincere way, you just, sometimes you learn your lesson in about one second, you know, you realize, oh shit. And it's too fucked late. Up. You done fucked up, but yeah. you realize it sometimes right away. That doesn't mean it can be reversed that quickly. Just mm-hmm. because you realize it, that has nothing to do with the impact it could have yeah. on the other person. So man, complicated, right? Humans are. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Um, Cool. Is that good, Caitlin? Yeah, that's what I had to say. Right on. Thank you. River, you're up. Hey, um, so I also have a response to Betty's question of what to do when you're not met with forgiveness. Sure. I love what Caitlin said. That is fantastic. And I completely agree with that. Another idea is 
like the amends that you made, was that what the person wanted? Mm. And I think that um, Kirsten touched on this earlier with like, what if what they wanted as an amends was to throw another birthday party? Like we need to apologize, so to speak, to people in the way that is meaningful to them, not necessarily what's meaningful to us. So we might think like, hey, I'm sorry I did that is enough. And to them, it might be throwing another birthday party. Right. Um, so I just wanted to add that on. If you're not met with forgiveness, not that this fixes the problem, but ask yourself, like, did you apologize in the way that that person needed to hear it? Yeah. Or did you not fulfill their needs for men? Yeah. And it's, it's sort of another example uh, or a situation where mismatched expectations comes into play. You know, there can be mismatched expectations in the beginning, which causes the issue to begin with. But then someone says, I'm sorry, I, I missed your birthday party. I won't do that again. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. And that could be good enough, but maybe not. Maybe that person's expectations are, you need to throw me a new party now. And if those things don't line up, now you've still got a problem, you know, that you need to figure out or decide if you can move on from this um, and and get expectations or everything in line. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, mismatched expectations can happen on the forgiveness side as well. Yeah. Uh, was that good for you, River? Yeah, that's it for me. All right. Thank you. We're going to move on to tenant number seven, the final one. This tenant says... Every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. Now, to me, this tenet wraps up and summarizes the tenets in a way, the new information that's added. You know, it uses some wording that is from some of the earlier tenets, the things that are new are inspire nobility in action and thought, and wisdom is thrown in there. The other things were mentioned earlier, the spirit of compassion, justice, and prevailing over the written or spoken word. That stuff was all mentioned in other tenets, and like I said, those couple of other bits were added. But generally, I think this one is a good summary of the ideals overall that are presented in the seven tenets. That's the way I tend to see it. Kirsten, you're up. I think the tenants are pretty broadly written. I think they're, we say they're vague sometimes. I don't, I don't actually think they're vague, but I think they're kind of deliberately open to interpretation. Yeah. Um, but this, this almost allows everyone to say, don't, don't let these tenants control you or don't use these tenants to control anybody else almost at the same time. And that might come from certain other religions saying, here's what the text says right here on this page, on this line, and these four words or, or whatever. Um, and because everybody can uh, interpret them however they want, which again, I think was a deliberate choice on their part, it's also a way for, for them to... Them being the satanic them, temple. Them being TST or right. us, as the, us as its members, I guess, to right. like, even then to say okay, you were, you were an asshole, but you're not, that's not freedom to offend because you didn't have the spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice or something like that. Right. Um, which is interesting to me because I think everybody doesn't actually, I don't think that's the, the tenet people use um, when, when 
when somebody asked the question about the fourth tenant, um, sure. about it, uh, hate speech or whatever, the, the question comes up a lot. Yeah. Um, and everyone goes back and says, look at tenant number one. But I, I would, I never see anyone say, go look at tenant number seven, but I think tenant number seven is even better. And it, yeah, it, it this just, should it just gets the to the point of this is what it's supposed to feel like. Like rather than using a particular tenant as an excuse or a loophole to do something that you want to do uh, isn't the deal. The deal is these are to inspire nobility in action and thought, not to find a bullshit loophole to excuse your bad behavior. And that, yeah, it's important. Yeah, that that is important. That's that's a good point. And yeah. do you think, do you think at all, like the, the first sentence is every tenant is a guiding principle. It's clearly talking about their tenants. Yeah. But the second sentence of, of the spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word then could also just be a response to any, any other text, uh, religious or otherwise that people are, of course, uh, that, are, that is in some way controlling people. Yeah. And that's um, sort of reiterating the second tenant, right? Um, Number two, what is specifically does it say? The struggle for justice right. uh, and should prevail over laws and institutions. Right. And so that's similar, you know, prevail over the written or spoken word, kind of the same thing. The laws and institutions are one way to put it. The written word is the law, but this is sort of even more broad. Laws and institutions is one thing, and while the written or spoken word maybe covers that. It isn't limited to that. You're good? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Kirsten. Caitlin, you're up. So you start at the top, right? And TSD is creating these tenants, maybe genuinely, maybe for their own benefit, maybe a little bit of both. You never know. Because, I mean, we're not in their heads, but, you know, actions louder than words and all that fun stuff. But... uh, (laughs) After that's all said and done, honestly, to me personally, it doesn't really matter because I found those tenants. And to me, it felt like, oh, wow, I just lost this whole community of people that I could interact with and I could socialize with and I could understand. Now I don't understand them at all. And I have no one. So I found these tenants and I was like, this feels kind of like a guiding light, but it doesn't feel like the whole picture and you know i was thinking about it and there really wasn't anybody active in my area and there wasn't really any way to interact and they all seemed a little high and mighty but the tenants themselves you know felt personally meaningful to me because it felt like i was a very sensitive and empathetic person and it felt like an easy way to guide myself without having all of these rules yeah and then All of a sudden, I'm like, well, you know, there's got to be some way I can be a part of something. And then someone tells me about this podcast and I find it and I, you know, become part of the group and I'm a little scared for a while. And today I show up on the, you know, Zoom thing. So (laughs) to me, it was more of a, a stopping point, but a stopping point that still is very useful to me. Yeah. So I guess. The benefit of it depends on the person and how it personally benefited them. And if it doesn't serve a purpose for them anymore, then, you know, it's not a benefit and they can go find something else. But (laughs) do you, Caitlin, do you like the idea that the tenants are so open to interpretation? Is that more of a plus for you or do you wish they were Mm. more focused or specific? 
I like that they seem to have core principles that apply to everything fairly logically. Yeah. And other than that, it's not telling me what kind of bread I can eat on Sabbath. Yeah. You know, and I like that it's not, I mean, there are some things that are dividing, you know, like the fourth one, but then you put that in the light of the others and in the light of empathy. And then it's not so confusing anymore. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of direction and it gives room for every person to do right by themselves. Yeah. Can I just say I've never thought about it from like this perspective before until hearing you talk now, Caitlin, about how like the 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 broadness and open to interpretationness of the the tenets does is kind of sort of the opposite of some other religions where they're oh, yeah. just inherently very controlling in the text um, of those religions. Yeah, and yeah is, some know. yeah, there's some real specific dogma out there, you know, <laughs> like you know, like you mentioned some of it, you know. Um, a lot of wild rules, and where do, I, I don't know. I'm not enough of a uh, religious uh, student, I guess, to know where all of that specific bullshit came from. I'm sure there are endless stories explaining why they are what they are. But oh, they it, got a chapter and verse for everything, yeah. but it means something different to every single church. Yes, you know, and it's just all very. <laughs> Yeah, in that way, I'll be right. Yeah, the tenets about the same verse, you know. Yeah, I think maybe the tenets find a. I guess they sit in a place that's a, a good enough balance of mm-hmm. generalized good ideas, without the downsides of being overly specific. Yeah, so yeah. it can just help every person be a generally better person. Yeah, you know, no matter where you started out. If you're following these principles, you're generally, you're going to do a little better for yourself and for others. And I don't know. I think that's a plus. Yeah. I even think, you know, since we're talking about number seven specifically, because it sort of summarizes ideas that were mentioned in previous tenets, it almost, this isn't TST's goal, but if the goal was to make the tenets as concise as possible get the information out there in the shortest way possible. The seventh tenet almost could eliminate the need for a couple of the others Um, because it, it says it designed to inspire nobility and action and thought the spirit of compassion, wisdom, justice. They mention it all. They could just throw a couple of the extra words in there. They could throw empathy in there. They skip that one, but compassion's in there and justice is in there. Like I said, it's, it's sort of a summary, but not, only is it a summary, but it's just a um, a very concise rewording or generalizing the spirit of the tenets altogether. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of guidance would have been so helpful for me growing up, and I wouldn't have to have <sighs> memorized hundreds of Bible verses just to get some pocket change. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, you're good, Caitlin? Yeah, I'm good. All right, thank you. Willow, you are up. So tenant seven to me um, represents like, I just like how it, it wholly pulls everything together. And I completely agree with you. I think possibly leaves the ability to completely get rid of tenant four. However, I love tenant four, the ability, the, the right to offend, I completely agree with because like, that's how growth happens. Sometimes people need to be offended first before they can learn that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. Cause that's the only way to get the people. 
sometimes. But my thing about Tenant 6 earlier, I was going to say, was I grew up with very uh, crippling obsessive compulsive disorder. And um, I was very forgiving with other people, but I could not forgive myself. And a large amount of this was God. I would, as soon as I would commit like the tiniest little sin in my head, I, I, I wouldn't be able to stop praying. It, it was like a prison, to be honest. That's what Christianity was to me. Was, and was that happening to you out of an inability to forgive yourself or was it a fear? It was a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, a large amount of it was like that fear. Oh my God, I'm not going to get to heaven. Most of it was fear. I'd say maybe like a fifth of it was not being able to forgive myself, yeah. but it was part of what oh, I'm a very disabled, mentally disabled person. Um, like just all this shit. And um, I was that kid to where I would, my poor parents, it would be like midnight and I would have an inappropriate thought and I would get out of bed and I'd go across the hall and I'd knock in my mom's room and be like, mama, I thought about boobs. She'd be like, drop it. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. And then three seconds later, I'd be back to apologize about another thing. And cause I had to make sure that mom could forgive me. God could forgive me. I could go to heaven. And to be honest, the moment I realized God wasn't real, it like the weight off my chest, like, Oh shit. I don't have to go insane in my own brain anymore. Cause that's literally what I would do. And I still catch myself sometimes like in the day, like if I do something slightly weird like sometimes my brain would be like i'll start that ocd thing i'll be like oh my god sorry i love you so much and that was always the thing i would say in my prayers because it was the fear and i didn't realize i was doing that but that's what christianity was to me and so tenant six is really important to me and tenant seven is really important to me and just all of the tenants are um and it was reading the tenants for me was that that eye opener too of like oh fuck shit yeah i'm in uh, you know, like just being able to read something I clicked with is yeah. growing up on the 10 commandments. Like, yeah, those are like, you, you can kind of agree like, yeah, some of these are all right. Like, yeah, do good. Like, I, but they're, uh, Christianity, man, it's just so such a mess. And it's yeah. that thing to where it's been interpreted so many times. It's a game of telephone. So even our, like one person's 10 commandments, even the same as another person's 10 commandments. Yeah, of course. Like, but the thing about forgiveness really hit me because I realized my whole life I've been really forgiving to other people, but I was not forgiving myself. And now I'm older, I'm learning how not to forgive people. Um, <laughs> like I always try to forgive, but sometimes I, I realize when things are broken, you know, when you can't, when you've extended everything, you have put out all the olive branches and you are trying to mend it and they won't let you. Sometimes you just have to let it go. But other than that, you've got to have some healthy limits, I guess. But I was not able to start forgiving myself really until I found those tenants because like, like, like I said, the physical weight coming off my chest when realizing, okay, God wasn't real. I still was left with this big empty gap spot. Yeah. And then uh, I was adopted by this very nice goth lady in, uh, in high school. And, uh, She's a big Satanist. And I just, I was trying to find somewhere to start. And the next thing I was on TST and the next thing I found the podcast and boom, I was here. But like six is really important to me because it's that you can just not just forgive other people and try to mend issues in outside life, but also try to mend issues in your inside life and yeah. forgive yourself. And that that's also okay. Yeah. It's interesting how everyone's unique 
experiences can determine which tenant is very important to them and why, you know, you want to get to know somebody, just figure <laughs> out what their favorite tenant is and you know, boom, you're in the door. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Willow. You good right now? No problem. Right yeah. on. Thanks Travis, you're up. Uh, my thoughts on tenant number seven are that like it really, like you said, it's kind of a summary. It doesn't really bring anything new to the table. So it's like, I think that you could actually do without it because um, it just says like every tenant is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility and in action and thought. That, like to me, I think that you could just have like, these are our like six tenants, you know, they're guiding principles, you know, designed to inspire nobility and thought and action, yeah. you know, rather than adding that seventh tenant that just a summary of everything else, like you already have these six tenants that are all something different. And then you kind of just throw that in at the end to, you know, just, I guess, tie it all together. But I don't know. I don't see a lot of usefulness in number seven. And then I don't really understand exactly what the spirit of compassion, you know, should prevail over the written and spoken word, you know? Yes. Yeah. That is, that is a little odd. Yeah, you kind of use written and spoken word to kind of like flush out your philosophies. Um, so yeah. I don't really know what that means entirely. Yeah, but. it makes sense. It makes the most sense for justice, which is the way it was used in the second tenet. So the right. spirit of justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. But the spirit of compassion should prevail over the written or spoken word. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really I know mean, what that means. I mean, I... I I guess, I guess it's true. I mean, I get we're assuming, uh, you know, again, it's vague. We're making up our own meanings here, right? Like the written or spoken word would be something that is not compassionate. I don't know. It's vague, right? And the tenet in general, as you say, it, this one is a little bit of an oddball in the bunch. I like everything that it has to say. I'm with it. You know, every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. That's nice. I like nobility in action and thought. That's a pleasant idea. And the spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should prevail over the written or spoken word. Um, but I feel like that could just be a way to define your tenets, like your six tenets. Like these are the six tenets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This you is know, almost a footnote. It's part of just a description of the tenets. Right. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're good, Travis? You're good. All right, thank you. Willow, you're up again. Is anybody like slightly irked at all by tenant seven just existing because that there's not like an even six tenant? <laughs> you would because, prefer an even like, number. Six is an important number, right? Like, I actually, well, I actually wonder if that's what they I were doing. Like, seven's a good number of, of rules for anything. Right? I always just found it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they started with nine tenets, and they did feel motivated really? to change it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nine original tenets, and they've edited them a little bit here and there over time. Uh, most of the big changes, like deleting tenets and moving them around and stuff, that happened pretty early on. And then there's mm -hmm. been like subtle changes along the way, keeping the same general idea. But yeah, okay. maybe maybe seven felt like an important number to land on. I don't know. Anyone else on tenant number seven? Have we exhausted the seventh tenant? All right. This is where I will choose to end this one. 
As usual, this was part of a much longer discussion, and if you want to join in on such discussions, they are open to all members of Satanic Delco. So if you've got a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. Stay safe out there, and Hail Satan. Ich bin nicht der Ebel, wie ich es ja